Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. This week's podcast comes from 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 4 through 10. If you turn your Bibles there. I love Old Testament stories because, first of all, they are historical in nature, and secondly, they really teach us some great lessons that we can apply even thousands of years later. The lessons I look to glean from the Old Testament are about principles, the things that never change, the things that God wants me to know, and quite honestly wants us all to know, from the stories of the people of the past, whether that be how God has taken care of them, God has disciplined them, or even God has prophesied of his son coming to save the entire world. In 2 Kings, the king of Syria lays siege to Samaria, and the people are starving because of a great famine. They're so hungry, they're at basically the point of engaging in cannibalism. The prophet Elisha promises quick relief, but he's not quite taken at his word. And throughout the story, we see the king even sought to kill Elisha, blaming him for their troubles. Eventually, the prophet's word is honored. The siege is lifted. And it's during this time we pick up this little story about four leopards outside the city gate pondering their future. 2 Kings 7, 4-10 If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city and we will die there. But if we sit here, we will also die. Now then come and let's go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare us, we will live. And if they kill us, then we will die. So they got up at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made an army of the Syrians hear a sound of chariots, a sound of horses, that is, the sound of a great army. And they said one to another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians against us to attack us. So they got up and fled at twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, indeed the whole camp itself, just as it was. And they fled for their lives. When these men with leprosy came to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent and ate and drank, and carried from their silver, gold, and clothes, and they went and hid them. Then they returned and entered another tent, and carried valuables from there also, and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, We are not doing the right thing. This day is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent about it. If we wait until the morning light, 
punishment will overtake us. Now then come, let's go and inform the king's household. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no one there, nor a human voice, only the horses tied and the donkeys tied, and the tents just as they were. These four lepers teach us something about the relative value of our worldly possessions. First of all, we can see in the beginning of this short piece of scripture, there are four men, really, with nothing to lose. I mean, they have no future, humanly speaking. They have a terminal illness, which has made them untouchable and cast out by society. If they went into the city, they would starve, because remember, there's a famine going on, and the people inside the city are already looking at cannibalism. If they stay at the gate and do nothing, they're going to starve. And if they go to the Syrian army, which is surrounded Samaria, they still may be killed. Doesn't seem like there's a right thing to do. So they have to choose between multiple bad choices. Yet, they feel compelled to do something. They choose the unknown over certain death. I mean, after all, most of us would rather go down fighting somehow. It's better to be wrong than do nothing and lose their lives by default. They had no idea what God had in store for them. Isn't that the way it usually goes? Our God often surprises us. His ways are above ours and His actions often unpredictable. To handle a no-win situation like this, we need to just use our best wisdom, pray, and do something. Trust God to make it right. Remember, the lepers would have starved if they had done nothing. There's death in doing nothing. So when they get to the camp, they suddenly discover unexpected wealth. What a great surprise. Their first thoughts are immediate. There's food and drink, and they're starving. There's also silver and gold, and it represents relief from poverty and suffering. Costly, sturdy garments the lepers could not just go to the market and buy suddenly were at their beckoning call. They became hogs in a cabbage patch, so to speak, eating and drinking all they can and hiding anything they can carry off. Eventually, though, they realize they have something more precious. A message. This is a day of good news. Best possible news that one could have at this particular point in the story, and they alone have the entire scoop. It's in their power to make everyone of the city happy. So they become evangelists, bringing good news. There's a lesson for those who put selfish desires ahead of God in His message. After all, We have something better than a gospel of health and wealth. P. 
Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1 and 7, Faith more precious than gold. Church life and fellowship are important. I do not discount that. But winning souls is our primary objective. In order to do that, we must share the message, the good news. There's danger in withholding the message. Notice that they said in verse 9, We are not doing the right thing. People were dying in their home city and stooping to subhuman behavior just to be able to stay alive. Notice also in verse 9 they say, If we wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Perhaps they thought that they may be killed by others when somebody else found out about this unprecedented event. They may have feared even punishment from God. They realized they would be held accountable for the good news that they had stumbled upon. Consider that in regards to the Christian's privilege and peril. We have the gospel. Men don't know it and prey upon each other in a mad quest for satisfaction from the world that they will never achieve. We too will be held accountable for the message. Did we share it enough? Consider this, if you will. By my count, in the New Testament, there are 22 passages that mention communion or the Lord's Supper. There are 60 passages that mention baptism. But there are a thousand passages that tell Christians to tell others about Jesus. Seems to me, just by volume, that latter part is most important to our lives as a Christian. The alternative is seen in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. There's great joy in sharing the good news, the message of Jesus. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, beginning with verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Paul is making an argument that God's love compels us to share the good news of Jesus. Souls won are our glory and our joy before Christ. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 19 and 20, Paul writes, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. 
the souls that had obeyed the gospel thanks to Paul and others preaching was his glory and joy, particularly at the return of Jesus. To have a part in changing a life is powerful. It's it's very rewarding. You make an impact on somebody's life. To have a part in changing a life through the power of God is a great dignity and privilege. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. It's sad if we're too busy with the groceries, the silver, the gold, or even the fine garments of this life to devote any time to the spreading of the good news about Jesus. Just take a look at the news headlines that are going on in the world today. The world is in deep need of this message, of this good news. None of us has anything to lose by giving our life to Jesus. His good news is more precious than gold. So how can you do that? How do you get started? An easy way is if you're enjoying these podcasts, share this link with somebody that you care about. Share the message of Jesus. Share the lessons that we're talking about learning from God's holy word. As Paul said, he plants in somebody else's waters, but God gives the increase. We just got to plant the seed and let God take it from there. After all, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about.